This episode of the Accounting Insiders podcast is brought to you by Out of the Box Technology. Out of the Box Technology is your partner in accounting data services. With over 7,500 industry migrations performed and an expansive network of third-party integrations, a partnership with Out of the Box will augment your advisory practice and turbocharge client accounting operations. Visit outofthebox.technology.com slash insightful dash accountant to get started. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Accounting Insiders podcast. My name is Gary Dehart. I am the host of the Accounting Insiders podcast as well as the publisher and managing partner of Insightful Accountant and uh, Tax Practice News. My guest today is Randy Crabtree, CPA, which he's going to add to his LinkedIn profile. <laughs> um, Randy is the co-founder of Trimerit, which is a specialty tax uh, professional uh, firm. And so, Randy, welcome. Thanks for uh, taking a couple minutes and having a having a discussion. Well, uh, Gary, thanks for having me here. This is something that I think you and I maybe talked about close to a year ago, and and, and uh, I'm that. glad we got it done. Right. It, uh, time flies, right? Yes. Well, and you've done a lot between now and then. Um, but before we get too deep into it, so Randy's also the host of the Unique CPA podcast, and that's been around, did I see 2019? Is that when you kicked that off? Correct. End of 19. Okay. And then um, also one of accounting today's top 100 most influential in accounting. So, whoo, wow. I don't know. Uh, I, can't, yeah. uh, I can't touch that. So that was fantastic. A pretty so. cool. Uh, I, I, I can't, I can't lie. I'm still flying high a little bit uh, when <laughs> I saw that come through. So it's, it's been fun. Yeah. Pull it up, show your wife. Hey, look at this. But by the way, let me show you, I do have credibility. Exactly. Um, she and I were, as a side note, she and I were actually on a plane flying to Orlando for our company uh, retreat when I got a text that says, congratulations. And I'm like, wait, what? What's going on? No idea. You don't get an announcement ahead of time. So then I went and logged in and saw my name sitting there. And I did show her, like you just said, and say, hey, look, <laughs> look, it, it's real. So that was right pretty here. cool. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Well, congratulations. That, uh, and that's, I mean, having, I was the associate, I don't know if you knew, I was the associate publisher of accounting today for about six years. And so that's not something that's just handed out willy nilly. So, so congrats. Well, thank so, you. So, yeah. So we're going to talk about a, a few different things uh, before we dive into that conversation, though. Uh, give just a little bit of uh, background on you, you in the profession and, uh, and what it is that Trimerit does. Sure. That's, that's great. And as you pointed out, which I need to fix on my LinkedIn, apparently, is I am a CPA. I, uh, I uh, started in public accounting back in 87, I think, uh, after spending a little time as a computer programmer, I decided to change uh, my, uh, my profession and my role and uh, went back to school for accounting. So, But I was a generalist for the longest time in accounting, actually started a firm, ran that until 2006 when I sold it. Uh, and then in 2007, after a little hiatus and realizing I still needed to work for a living, I, uh, I started Trimerit, which is which has been a lot of fun because we're we're a niche. I'm a huge proponent of niche practices, and really didn't even know what a niche was until we started Trimerit. But we're a niche practice that that deals with just specific sections of the tax code. Uh, started that in 07. And we've grown fairly decently um, to the point where in Inc. Magazine listed us for the last two years as one of the 5,000 fastest growing privately held companies in the U.S. So uh, we have great people and we work with great people. So that's uh, 
how we're able to do that. Yeah. Well, so congratulations cool. on that too. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. So tell me, um, who are your direct customers? Is it end users, you know, businesses, or is it more other CPAs and tax firms? Yeah, the, when we started, that was a question. How are we going to build this? Who are we going to go to? Where are we going to get business from? And early on, especially with my background, I'm sure coming out of public accounting, the decision was made that, you know, rather than go straight to a taxpayer and having that taxpayer then go to their accountant, their CPA, their mm -hmm. EA and say, hey, someone's, you know, telling me I can qualify for R&D tax credits, um, you know, as the tax advisor, that would, you know, rub me the wrong way a little bit. And so what we did is decided we're going to go straight to the tax advisor, educate them on the tax credits and incentives we deal with and allow them to be what we look at as the hero with their clients. We educate them to the point where they can recognize opportunities. They take it to their clients um, and, you know, save them 10, 20, 30, you know, 500,000 in some cases of money and, and we're there to support them. So, so our, 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 business development technique or model is to go to the CPA firm, our contract ends up being with the taxpayer. Okay. And then um, is that, and then not trying to get into, you know, corporate secrets, but no, you're fine. you guys, y'all typically work on a, is it a flat fee? Is it a percentage? What does that look like? And again, not trying to, don't share uh, no, anything no. you don't feel comfortable and I'll, but, Oh, believe me, I'm, my mantra is share your knowledge. So I'm, I'm all about sharing uh, anything you asked me. I have no problem with that. Yeah. Um, and so it's, so it's a little bit of both. Uh, there's a, you know, when we started, it was it was definitely a straight percentage of the savings. That's what we yeah. started at. But then early on, uh, Circular 230 came out and kind of changed uh, the way that we could bill. And so we went to mm -hmm. a, a fixed fee not to exceed a percentage. And our services okay. all vary. I'll talk R&D because that's what we started as, R&D tax credits. <laughs> Um, for the longest time, what we did was a uh, a fixed flat fee, not to exceed twenty five percent of a client's benefit. So that's okay. that's a common way we do that. We actually there was a court case a handful of years ago where uh, a service provider won with the IRS, and the service provider was billing on a contingent basis, and we didn't think that that would uh, hold up, and so we didn't switch to contingent billing. But it looks like IRS is plenty of opportunity to challenge that decision and hasn't. So we have been discussing, you know, going straight back to a, a percentage of the savings, you know, 20, 25 percent, whatever the number is. And this way, it's just the, the client knows the number. Uh, they're right. comfortable with it. So, yeah, it's been a little hodgepodge of both fixed fee, somewhat contingent at the beginning, maybe a little more contingent now. Um, but everything we do, you know, we can show the return on investment. Every Everything we do, we can tell the client, hey, you know, 80% of the money that we save, you're keeping in the bank and going back into the business and our fees right. will be X. Right. Okay. Great. So, uh, so we've got kind of two things, two ways we're going to have this conversation. One's going to be a little bit of rapid fire since here we oh are. Boy. At the, I don't know if we call it the beginning of tax season since we're in mid February, but maybe it's really starting to become tax season, right? Well, is um, uh to throw a monkey wrench in there, it actually kind of is the beginning in my mind. And I know taxpayers are preparers are still busy, but. Congress is holding us hostage a little right. bit right now because there's a new tax bill that we expect 
and I'm not sure when this is released, but we expect to be uh, uh, acted on positive or negative uh, next week. The starting was that the 19th of February. So we'll see what happens uh, if right. they do pass this bill or not. But it's hard to make decisions right now with this pending bill out there. Yeah, that I we won't even talk about that. That's just <laughs> it's just unbelievable. I mean, yeah, so many things about Congress is unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Still, I don't know that I wouldn't trade it. I don't know that there's anything else out there. That I agree. It's any better. Right. I agree. But oh, my goodness gracious. Can't you just agree on something in a timely manner, please? So so we're going to hit rapid fire. And the reason we want to go through this is um, our listener is going to be a pretty wide range of, of people from bookkeepers to CPAs to tax professionals and everything in between, business mm-hmm. advisors. So I'm hoping through this discussion, at least the first part of this discussion, we can at least um, maybe plant a seed, maybe um, as some as a preparer is going through, maybe they hear something that you say and go, oh, wait, I do have that client who X. So rapid fire doesn't mean your answer has to be super fast. But um, so tell me just some thoughts on developing referral business around the U.S. tax code, which we just talked about. It's how ridiculous it is. But <laughs> Well, I mean, so. For us, it's the standpoint that we get referred to clients. So if I talk about it from that Mm -hmm. standpoint, it is, I mean, if you become an ex, and I think as a niche practitioner, which we are now, I think if everybody develops a niche, you know, it is so much easier to show your expertise and your knowledge and share the knowledge, like I said before. And so developing it around the tax code, I mean, I personally can dig so deep into code section, you know, um, 174, code section 41, or code section 48, 48C, all these different code sections that are all around some kind of tax credit and incentive. And so it's, if you build knowledge in one subject, it is so easy to start, you know, getting business referred to you because of that. So whether it's tax code, which personally, I, I love that aspect, aspect of it. But it, whether it's, you know, your niche becomes, uh, you know, wineries. I'm in wine country right now for a month. Right. So your niche is uh, is wineries. Your passion for wineries is going to show through. Your knowledge is going to show through. People are going to flock to you because you concentrate on the small aspect of one segment of a tax return or business. or And from that standpoint, I can, you know, equate that to the tax code. Oh boy, I am not going short answer, am I? What right. <laughs> <laughs> well, has the tax code? Uh, but from that standpoint, it's just, it, especially if you're passionate about it, it just becomes such a fun aspect that it doesn't even feel like working. So for me, tax code, I love going to talk about it and educating on it, and it creates a referral business. Right, and then um, do you find that that niching down? And I mean, I've heard the saying, you know, there's riches are in the niches. Do you find that to be true? So from that standpoint, I'll tell you, we've been historically very profitable because what we do is very unique, very intricate from the standpoint, but we can dig deeper. I've got a friend who's, who's niche. And unfortunately he passed away last year, but, um, his niche was craft breweries. And he, I talked to him about that. Well, how does that affect your business? He said, we probably are able to charge three to four times what someone else is charging because we are so knowledgeable at that specific industry. And we become so well known because people hear us, see us on social media dealing with that. So I truly believe 
that the uh, the riches are in the niches. All right. Well, great. Okay. So what about uh, hiring people with this? And I'm looking over here because it's where my cheat sheet is. So hiring yep. people with disabilities and uh, can you speak to that on the tax code, but also yep. just how it's beneficial. And I know you'd like to talk holistically about a firm, but how does that you know benefit your business more than beyond the tax code? Right. So from beyond the tax code. So yeah, can there be some benefits? Maybe there's some work opportunity tax credits available if you hire people in certain demographics. But but for me, this has became a passion of mine from a standpoint that yeah, 10 years ago I had a stroke and I am I am extremely fortunate. I have no physical disabilities from my stroke. Most stroke survivors have some kind of limitations. And so I got to uh, uh meet and talk to uh, this woman, my mind's blank right now on her name, but she was on my podcast and we were just talking about the overall benefits to hiring individuals with disability. She did a 10 year program study while she was uh, in the HR department, I'm pretty sure at Walgreens. And what they found is that like every aspect of the business got better when they hired a diverse, you know, wow. you know, people with disability. They became, you know, less downtime. People were taking less time off. Uh, uh, just satisfaction with your work went up. All of these things. Plus, you're doing this thing that you're giving people an opportunity. We're not always are they going to have this opportunity. So, if you want to look at it from a quantitative, quantitative standpoint. The numbers play out. It's it's quantitative from a profitability standpoint. It's there, and I can't go deep into it, um, um, but just from a quality of of life and and everything that all went up too. So, uh, um, Deb Russell just remembered her name. Deb mm -hmm. Russell. She has an organization that helps kind of connect companies with individuals that are looking for work that are disabled and the work she's done has been amazing and the and the data that proves out that hiring people with disabilities is beneficial to everybody is just tremendous hmm. okay fantastic so your core you said kind of your 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 dna is r d tax credits right did you say that or not your dna but that's, that's what we started, started as okay yep. all right so we're going to stick with that your dna is r d tax <laughs> credits so yep. What does that really mean? And if I may, again, I'm doing returns, got my clients. Yep. Uh, what am I looking for for the opportunities there? What are the, yeah, that's, the, the red flags being good, not bad? Yeah, the good flags. We'll go with that's, the good flags. Yeah. Um, the golden flags. How's that? Um, I like it. It's the so the, what you just asked is what I try to do when I go out and educate is like, okay. Who should I be thinking about? What are the opportunities in my client base where somebody may qualify for a research and development tax credit? And there's two no-brainers to look at industry-wise. Uh, manufacturing. So anybody that's making a product. Um, I mentioned craft beer before. Craft beer is a product. You know, so it could be manufacturing. It even is something like beer, but widgets, anything. So if you're in manufacturing setting, there's, there's a good chance you're doing some R&D. And if you're in software development, there's a really good chance you're doing R&D. And so it's a very simple definition. Am might developing a new or improved product process technique? Well, I'm going to stick with product or process. It covers most. Is there technology involved like computer science? Is there some level of uncertainty in what I'm doing? But it doesn't have to be new to the world uncertainty. It can be, right. can I do this better uncertainty? And then because of that, I'm going to experiment. So if anybody's doing anything like that, new or improved product or process, that's a candidate. Hmm. And what does that typically look like? Is it, is it, is there, 
is the percentage based on the amount you're spending or does it scale up? What is that? Yeah, it's a, it's a, there's two calculation methods, but they're both based on the dollars you spent on qualified activities and a good estimate just to get an idea is, you know, if you, about 10% of the expenses will become a credit. So if you spend a million dollars doing some kind of R&D, you most likely have about a hundred thousand dollar tax credit, which is a dollar for dollar tax savings. Hmm. Okay. Which that's real money, right? Yeah. How about renewable energy? So um, we're we're hearing a lot about that, although they're not calling it renewable right now, which is kind of funny. But um, so renewable energy tax credits. What yeah, am I this looking is, for there? There's oh, there's a multitude of things, and so I'll try to give you a couple key ones. The probably the most common we're going to see is is actually IRS Code Section Forty Eight, which is for any. And I'm just going to talk on the business side, not the individual side now, because there's individual incentives too. On the business side, if you have any of your clients that are installing some kind of renewable energy, saying they're putting solar power on, they're putting wind power, they're starting to use geothermal power, they're starting to, you know, anything that is not your normal, buy it from the electric company, but you're going to generate it yourself somehow and then use that power, there's a credit for that. Mm -hmm. And, And this is... This has been around a while, but it got redefined and enhanced in August of 22, which really kicked in in 23. So we're as we're sitting doing 23 tax returns right now, this is the first time we're going to see most of these opportunities. So, so a business, you've got a, a, a warehouse that puts solar panels on the roof. There's an opportunity for a tax credit there. Um, Good rule of thumb is a 30% credit. It starts at about a 6% credit. It can go as high as 70% credit, but think about about 30%. You know, so I spend a hundred grand putting solar panels on. I might have a $30,000 tax credit that's going to help offset taxes. And then I'm going to save money. That's the most common, but there's rattle real quick. If you're producing renewable energy and selling it, there's a credit for that. If you're expanding your facility to manufacture products that go into the production of renewable energy, there's a credit for that. Really? Okay. Yeah. If you are if you are uh, trying to reduce your greenhouse uh, emissions by 20%, there's a credit for that. This we are at the, you know, at the the blade of the hockey stick right now on seeing the implementation of these things. We are in the next year or two you're going to see every client starting to look at renewable energy because of the benefits and the return on investment is so great. And the break-even point has come down or that point where you break even has come down so much. There's going to be a lot of implementation of renewable energy in the next few years. So that's mm-hmm. just a couple of them, but there's a, we probably deal with about six or seven of the renewable energy credits now. Oh, probably okay. about eight. Okay. All right. So you said you were going to focus on business. I'm going to ask you to talk about it from a personal individual standpoint. Yep. Are there any, are there any that, um, again, that stand out as if you've got a client that has X, then you should consider Y on the, on the, uh, uh, personal on the 1040 side. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, again, solar panels, putting that on. That's the main um, one. Yeah. Put and, and then the batteries in the past, the batteries, cause you know, the solar has to, you know, you, you know, you don't get power when the sun's not out. So you need the right. batteries to store the energy. That is a new portion of the credit available. That wasn't out there before. Um, there is, if you're putting, I'm pretty sure there's a credit if you're putting 
like charging stations in your garage to charge mm -hmm. your electric vehicle. There's electric vehicle credits if you're buying yep. an electric vehicle. Um, there's plenty of things out there. But uh, for me personally, I'm by no means an expert at the uh, 1040 level of the credits. Gotcha. I just know they exist. Okay. All right. So how about the ERC? We've heard a lot about the ERC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody yeah. knows it, but I'm going to say it. Employee retention credit. Um, yeah. Shocking that the government had something that was intended to be a good thing. <laughs> yes. That then all of a sudden turned into this uh, a money grab, yes. which unfortunately became a money grab by a lot of very uh, people who may not have your most, your individual uh, best interest at heart. That's that's yeah. definitely what happened when this. I became addicted to ERC when it came out when it got redefined the end of 2020 in the Consolidated Appropriation Act. That's where the PPP and the ERC could live together. Prior yeah. to that, they couldn't, and and it was a great thing for businesses that actually qualified. The problem was, like you just said, the companies popped up and was telling everybody they qualified. And that's where the issue came in. It came in so much that the IRS had to put out a bunch of new information on ERC recently. And two things I'll highlight. Um, as we sit right now, we don't know for certain, but this bill we mentioned early on, the, uh, uh, the Tax Relief for American Families and Workers Act of 2024, which may be voted on next week, in that bill, there is a retroactive um, elimination of the ERC as of January 31st of 24. So we may be talking about ERC right now, and it doesn't even exist anymore. We don't know until this bill passes. It was originally supposed to go for all of 2020. We had till April 15th of 24 to file all of 21's credits. We had till April 15th of 25. That might be gone which is probably fine. Most companies that truly qualified should have taken it or truly needed it too, should have taken advantage of it already. But here's the one thing I want to highlight because there was a lot of companies that were promised ERC by, we'll just say unscrupulous. That's the term we'll right. use, unscrupulous companies out there telling them they qualified and they didn't know better. There was money. Someone's offering you $300,000. Right. Look, it's a tax credit. You're, you're, it's a, you're eligible for it. Let's get it for you. Um, IRS, and believe me, I've been warning people for two years that this is happening. No, uh, three years now that this is happening, that the fraud's going in out there. Um, but IRS just put an unbelievable program, program in place the end of December of 23. It runs till March, as of right now, I hope they extend this, but it, it runs till March 22nd of 24. It's an amnesty program. And what this is, is if you got out of your seat and you, after the fact, realize, okay, I really didn't qualify for this. They have this new program in place. No questions asked. You return 80% of the money you received. And if you received interest, you get to keep all the interest. And, and on these refunds, you get interest. So you get to keep the interest you received on this refund. You only have to pay back 80% of the dollars that you received. So you're getting 20% that you originally didn't even qualify for. <laughs> right. They're letting you keep it. And no questions asked. They're not going to come audit. They're not going to be penalties. There's not going to be interest. There's nothing else. You return it because there's so much money out there. They just don't have the time to go audit all right. these. And so they're, they're counting on people to do a self-audit and figure out if they qualify or not. I want to stress this because... This is ending 
in a month from the pretty much the day we're talking today. And if you got in your seat and you did not qualify and you found out, uh, there's never been a better program. And you get to keep something that you didn't qualify right. for. Right. Um, and yeah. and the reason I stress it is because if you don't do this, now you're open to penalties and interest. And the penalties right. can be tremendous. And, you know, especially it depends on how fraudulent it was. I mean, there, there's there's already been people, I think, I'm pretty sure, and you can fact check me, that have had, a, a, a you know, at least potentially are up for jail time for the fraud that was going on in ERC. And, and so you don't want to fall into that situation uh, because they've also extended the time to audit this to a six-year period. So they're grooving themselves more time. So they're going to continue to look at these and you don't want to be caught in that, uh, in that audit game, especially if you find out that you did not qualify. Right. Right. All right. Well, this is a, so my previous accountant said, yes, you guys qualify. And then the current accountant said, uh, no, you don't. I even asked somebody else. She was like, uh, no, you never qualified. This was our accountant that told us this. It wasn't like an ERC mill or anything. Right. And um, so our current accountant said, you really should go ahead and pay that back, paid it back. And then probably paid it back like early, maybe it was middle November. And then, oh. and then what you just said, I'm yeah. like, wow. <laughs> and, unfortunately it wasn't you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, but right. yeah, like you said, it's real money. It's free money. Yep. It yep. was there. I don't suppose I can go back and ask for my 20%. <laughs> I don't think you can. <laughs> <laughs> So rats. All right. So energy efficient incentives. Is this individual and corporate or you're mostly focused? Your business really is focused around the corporate side. Corporate. And and, and a lot of these tie into the renewable energy, but they're different. Mm -hmm. um, okay. But you almost when you see a renewable energy tax credit, you're almost always going to see something else. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, an R&D credit potentially uh, just cost segregation. Um, but these two that you just mentioned, the, the energy efficiencies, there's one there for businesses and nonprofits, and I'll tell you that in a second, but it's really more benefit to the business. But it's it's if you own a commercial building or you're a government building owner or you own a nonprofit building, if that building was made more energy efficient, the 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 company that owns it, if you're a for-profit, you get basically accelerated depreciation you get a a, a a free deduction or or accelerated deduction from 39 years of depreciation to one year mm -hmm. if we can show that it's energy efficient if you're a designer of a government building or a nonprofit that is deemed energy efficient you get that deduction allocated to you because the nonprofit and the government entity can't use a tax deduction and so to have an incentive out there they're incentivizing that might be a word, yeah. the, uh, the designer uh, to make these buildings energy efficient. And so this architect, engineering company, whoever, they get a free deduction. Hmm. They get, I mean, this is, they get a hundred thousand dollar deduction. That's not dollars they spent. That's just somebody else giving this deduction. And, and now they just saved, you know, at a corporate rate of 21, 21%, they just saved 21,000 uh, for an expense that they didn't incur. So, so that's a pretty cool one. Um, sure. And and then one more on that is it's called 45L. That first one was called 179D. Okay. This one's called 45L, and it's for developers of energy efficient residential property. 
and there the developer can get a credit for each unit that they they construct and and sell and that credit can be up to five thousand dollars per unit so it's significant okay. savings and that's ground up that's not reno is that renovation and it's pretty more. much ground up renovations okay. is is difficult to qualify for but if you know if you take an old you know whatever manufacturing plant and told, do a basic conversion to condos where you're pretty much changing everything out there's a chance that could qualify as well okay all right and work opportunity tax credit what uh we are going rapid fire um uh, that is a uh a new hire credit and and you get a credit if you're hiring individuals that meet a certain demographic definition or live in a certain geographic location and if okay. they meet the definition you can get anywhere from twenty four hundred and ninety six hundred dollars per employee credit um you know i'll just give you an example there's a de- there's a, a demographic that is all related to uh ex-military or okay. ex-felon or somebody on food stamps or you know a uh, 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 temporary assistance for needy families all these if you hire individuals that meet those requirements you can get that credit. Um, some timing with that is you have to submit it within 28 days of the hire, which is what companies like us or someone else would be able to help you with. And the employee has to work at least 120 days. But if they meet the requirements, it's just, again, a tax credit that, that's hiding there that you maybe don't know about. And you might already be hiring individuals that fall into okay. these categories. Okay. And the last but not least, cost segregation. Uh, simple. It's, you know, a commercial building, uh, either, you know, commercial or rental residential are depreciated over time, commercial 39 years, residential 27 and a half years. That's a long time to recoup that expense. And so with cost segregation, there's certain components within almost every building that will qualify for a shorter lifespan. And with cost segregation, you just have to go analyze the building and find out what in there should not be written off over 39 years, what okay. potential is a, a five, a seven, a 15 year write off. And then sometimes when those are improvements, they'll be eligible for bonus depreciation, which means we might be able to rate those off in one year too. So it's pretty okay. much taking expenses we would have done for the next 39 years and getting in the next, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six years and, and writing okay. off things faster. Is that typically, um, now I'm talking about nothing that I know about. So is that, but would that require like the owner of the property to own the property for a certain amount of time? So there's no requirement to own it a certain amount of time, but it doesn't, it, there's really no benefit if you're going to own it a year or two years or even three years, because you would have got all that right off when you sold it, you know, Mm -hmm. you get. And so if you're going to own something longer term, five, six, seven, 10 years, it's better to get that deduction today. If it's something you're going to flip pretty quick, then cost segregation doesn't make sense. Okay, great. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up tax season here on (laughs) on February the 13th. And again, the point of that was just to have people as we get into tax season um, looking for opportunities. And I'm sure most most uh, tax professionals are looking for, for opportunities for the clients anyway, or have some you know, rough ideas. But um, again, hopefully we piqued at least one person's yep. thought and that will have them go, wow, I can help. And now um, just in case we lose anybody, how do they find you guys if they want to dig a little bit deeper into some opportunities for clients? 
So best place is, uh, you know, to get a hold of us at Trimerit is just look at the website, which is tri-merit.com. I'm sure you'll put in the show notes or something. And uh, um, there's a meet the teams page. All our contact information is there. There's just info at tri-merit.com as well. But yeah, all our info is out there. And, and like I said earlier, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of, of sharing your knowledge. So we try to be very uh, educational on our website and just in general with the okay. podcast and webinars and everything we do. Right. And we'll certainly add that link. And so now let's pivot over to the, the other half of your brain. And that is the, <laughs> the, the teaching, training, sharing, and what all, what does that look like for you? Like, what are you doing in that world now? That's pretty much where I live now. Uh, is in that world. It's uh, yeah. I was managing partner of Trimerit for the first ten years, and then seven years ago, uh, pretty much just knew I had to make a change. This was, you know, I mentioned the stroke earlier. That was three years after my stroke, and realized that I just couldn't keep doing the managing the company. It wasn't. We were in a growth mode. I wasn't passionate about, you know. KPIs and processes and procedures and and they probably would have held us back but uh more so I just needed to find my passion and, and ended up finding that in education and so I I go out and I get to talk with people like you uh, all the time which is cool just out on podcast um the unique CPA podcast the whole point is just to find ways to share information share other people's knowledge that are doing so many cool things in mm-hmm. the profession um writing articles for, you know, wouldn't need to talk about that uh, with you. Cause I know you're uh, probably, I would assume be open to articles. Out Absolutely. There as well. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, so writing articles for a lot of different areas on topics from tax to mental health, to corporate culture, to, you know, firm growth, uh, uh, all things that, that I find exciting. And then uh, speaking at conferences, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I get to speak at a lot of conferences and, and, and really enjoy it. So really it's, it's us as Trimerit, you know, helping the profession. I'm not really out selling like mm-hmm. our service or anything, but people appreciate, I think what we do to, to help do what we can to make this profession as good as it possibly can be. And in the long run, it helps us too. Yeah, sure. And so um, speaking at conferences, about how many do you speak at in a year? Honestly, I did a I did a list last year. And so between conferences, webinars, online conferences, I think the list was over 40 for last year or okay. something like yeah. that. I mean, I think I was a, a guest on at least that many podcasts as well last year. Um, and then recorded 50 or so of my own podcast. Right. So it's, it's, uh, it takes my time, but yeah, conference being out in front of a crowd, especially in person, um, talking about a topic I'm passionate about. That's like my happy place. It's just, right. uh, it's just fun. So that's what I try to do as often as I can. All right. So the AICPA calls you up and says, all right, Randy, we're going to let you speak to every member of the profession. You've got one hour. What's your topic? Well, my my most asked for topic right now, and it's changing a little bit, but it's it's just basically the title changes, but for the most part, it's called uh, "Don't Treat Burnout as a Badge of Honor," uh, because I think we have this mindset that we have to be just work, 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 work in this profession. Eight hours this week, exactly, yeah. and and that you know we're proud of that. We want to share that how many I build three thousand hours last year, and we're proud of it. But in reality, it's not good for us. So. 
So I like to go out and talk about ways that we can be more efficient as a profession, have a better work-life balance and, uh, and uh, you know, be healthier mentally and physically. That's probably what I get asked to do most. But as I've been doing this, the one that is really starting to resonate with me more and more and that I'm really starting to be asked, be asked to do this is, and I think we have a great culture at Trimerit. And so now I get to go about what the benefit is and why create this base of culture and how that can help your firm in so many different directions. So, so creating a, a base of a great corporate culture is the one that I, I'm the most passionate about right now. Okay. All right. And that's interesting because, well, to me, because I, I think with the, you know, the um, hiring difficulties taking place right now, right. So yep. there's a talent gap out there. And while you love that topic. I think it's a great topic, but I would not want to go have to talk about it because that's just not my core. And, um, but for firms who are having to deal with, you know, aging population, uh, a group now, uh, a whole four years worth of, of employees who basically don't want to go to work, mm-hmm. don't want to come, t- come to an office. Right. Right. And, and trying to, I'm going to use your term, bridge that gap of, um, and it's got to be around culture and how you're dealing with people and how, you know, Randy has different needs than Gary, who has different needs than, than Bob. Right. And, and managing that again, not what I, not my strength (laughs) by any means. So, um, but from a profession standpoint, it's something that we do need to learn. And yes. something that, that we've got to figure out because uh, the, I actually had another recording this afternoon and uh, one of the points the guy made was around that. And it was yeah. that, you know, your, your, next, your talent may have to come from outside of the profession. Mm-hmm. Your, you know, your next hire for that bookkeeping role may not be a bookkeeper, maybe somebody else. Yep. And that person may not fit into your traditional accounting firm. Yeah, I have a I have a a firm that we've worked with for years, and they're a top I think top twenty five firm. So they're a big firm, and they've they've had that philosophy for years, even prior to pandemic. That hey, we're just going to look for the best people. We don't you know we don't care if they have the CPA initials after their name or not. This same firm, I I was talking to their head of oh it, it's in the HR department. I actually think they call it the head of corporate culture is her title. She's VP of corporate culture. And I was asking about the remote work because I think that's huge. I think people my age fight it too much and I'm generalizing. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think that, like you said, the next generation coming up is the way it's going to be. And so you can't fight it. She told me, and I'll guarantee these numbers are right. They have 77% of their workers are remote, top 25 wow. CPA firm. And so wow. I like, you know, that that was pretty cool to hear because we're, we're fully remote. I mean, we have an office. I should say fully, you know, our inside sales teams goes in there once a week, maybe, but other than yeah. that, we've been fully remote. And, and so I even like talking about how you create a culture in a remote environment because we've been able to do it. And it's important still, we get together as a corporation, as a company twice a year in a remote location. So everybody flies into one location. And I think that's key. Um, but there's so many other things that we do to, to help promote a good culture and, and you're going to need to. 
Right. Absolutely. So before you, I'm going to get you to plug your uh, Bridging the Gap conference. Before you do that, this is really funny and it ties into your, there's no badge of honor in burnout. So um, I shared with you in the green room, my wife and I, I had a conference down in uh, in Miami. So it was at the Fountain Blue. So I'm like, well, oh, you nice. guys come with me. It's a beautiful hotel. And I hadn't been there in like 20 years, but um, it, it's a great place. And so flying back, you know, we booked the flights and we were in, I think we were in seat 38, like B and C, you know, so we're in the, we're in the back. <laughs> and so we're halfway through the flight and the guy sitting next to me, he's on the window and the, the flight attendant comes back and kind of gets his attention. And he's like, Oh, Hey, you know, Mr. Whatever his name was, you know, just want to say thank you for being a, a diamond, you know, medallion flyer with us. I looked at my wife. I'm like, this guy is sitting in 38 a yeah yeah you know here great thanks for being a diamond flyer what you know <laughs> there's your burnout right this guy's been yeah. burning out for a thank you seat 38 a right it's like, yeah no thank you no uh, so i just i that just cracked me up and i just told my wife i'm like seriously it's terrible. He must have booked last minute. <laughs> I guess, right? We're going to give him that. We're going to we'll give him that. that. Exactly. Yeah, so. he, right, he changed so. flights to get home to his family quicker Maybe to avoid burnouts. That all is right. exactly what it was. So, yep. all right. So bridging the gap. Talk about that. I've got about three minutes and then we're going to wrap up. Okay. Bridging the gap conference. We started last year. We did a couple test runs of virtual conferences the years before that. Okay. I don't count those because it's a completely different animal. Totally different. Yeah. It, we did do an in-person live version of the podcast in uh, July of 21. And that was what got us thinking we could, or July of 22, I should say. Yeah. That was, that's what got us thinking that maybe we could start doing a conference. And, and so Bridging the Gap happened last year for the first time in 23. It's a conference about you know, all the things I'm passionate about, which is the you know, mental health, working smarter, and, and you know, uh, implementing technology, um, you know, treating people the right way, anything to help us run a better firm, um, not from a technical tax and accounting at all. That's not what we do. Um, and so, so we started that last year. And and man, when you do something like this for the first time, it is nerve wracking. And I don't get stressed out. Really? You, I mean, I stopped. You left, from firm, you left firm management so you wouldn't get all stressed out. Right. So I know, exactly. great idea. Let's start a conference. <laughs> I didn't think that through completely. You're right. Yeah, there's no uh, stress. There's no risk at all in that. But but we did this and, and oh, I mean, leading up to it, it's like, is anybody going to show up? Is I mean, everybody waits till the last minute to register too. And that right. was nerve wracking. <laughs> ended up having 201 registrations. It ended up being, uh, it there's no way that this was ever going to happen and it happened and it exceeded my expectations. It was just unbelievable. And, and if you look at social media at all, social media at all afterwards, people were raving about it, which, you know, our marketing team crushed it. They, they just did a great job putting this together. And, you know, we looked at it. Um, we analyzed for about three weeks afterwards. Are we going to do this again? Cause it's a lot of work. And, and honestly, it was a lot of money on our, out of our pockets last year, sure. because first year we, you know, mm -hmm. we, we didn't attract as many sponsors as uh, we probably were hoping to. Um, but we all looked at it and said, yep, we're going year two. And, and uh, 
the buzz seems to have gotten around because registrations came in early, uh, sponsorships are are way up already, and uh, the level of speakers uh, will at least match what we had last year. And 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 very excited to uh, to put on year two. That's great. And when is it? Uh, it's in Chicago, uh, Rosemont, which is O'Hare Airport. Basically, it's yeah. July twenty second. Uh, 23rd, 24th, two and a half days. That's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. July 21st is will be a rival day, I guess, Sunday evening. And we will have an event Sunday evening too, some kind of uh, get together, happy hour type thing. Yeah. Okay. And um, is that the convention center or one of the hotels? So the, the, the Lowe's Hotel has a great conference center in Rosemont. I mean, beautiful spot. And so we've got that. It's the same place we had it last year. Okay. Oh, that is fantastic. And people can find that how? Um, I think there's a, I think it's BTG 2024 20, is the website. BTG conference maybe is the website, but it, there's a link at the yeah. Trimerit conference, uh, the Trimerit site as well. Yeah, it looks like it's btgconference.com. So we'll include That's that as well. Yeah. Yep. Right. All right. Any parting, uh, parting thoughts? Um, bottom line is, uh, um, I just appreciate you having me here. It's uh, uh, you and I had the uh, I had the pleasure of meeting you. Hopefully, it was vice versa. Likewise, right? <laughs> right. Uh, uh, last June, and and it was have known of you, so it was very excited for me then, and very excited for me to be here today. So, uh, bottom line is, it's tax season. Give yourself a break. Take time away from your desk. It sounds counterintuitive, but in reality, that your brain needs relaxation time. And mm -hmm. so find time to be uh, doing something for yourself during tax season. Taxes will wait. No honor in burnout, right? Correct. Correct. Although you might get to sit in seat 38A <laughs> on the way back from Miami. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thank you, Randy. Appreciate you taking some time. Enjoyed the conversation. And uh, absolutely, if you've got some uh, some content you want to throw away, we'd love to see it. Will do. All Thanks. right. Talk to you soon. Thank you. This episode of the Accounting Insiders podcast is brought to you in part by Zero. Zero is a powerful cloud accounting software that improves efficiencies across your practice. With all client data stored on a single unified ledger, you and your clients can easily access and collaborate on the same set of books. Zero's advisor tools and automation solutions reduce time-consuming manual tasks and put data entry on autopilot. Work faster and more efficiently than ever before with Zero. Visit zero.com/accountinginsiders to learn more.